Hi, I'm Laura. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi. Hi. Good morning. Ellie, thank you for asking me to share. Um, I'm going to sit because I have rheumatoid arthritis and I'm just not going to be able to stand the whole time. I'm just going to start by sitting. Um, I'm really, really grateful to be here and um, I have a new work schedule so I can't come to this meeting um, and it's really great to come back and to be greeted by so many like love. Um, so many like kisses and hugs because I, I got out from it coming to these meetings and it's really really good to be back and I'm totally nervous and I told Janet this morning I was like I'd rather be nervous like still than to like think I've got this thing right and they're like oh I'm gonna be great you know and it's like no like I gotta be humble and um and just tell you my story and um so to qualify I have five years and um five months of abstinence, and I'm down um, 60 pounds, and I work with steps, and, um, and that is how I have like been able to keep what I've got. So, I think I was born a compulsive, I'm going to knock my water over, this is going to be another fail. Um, I'm, I think I was born a compulsive overeater, though I don't know that for sure, I don't have no proof, but um, I was just always obsessed with your body and my body and what you thought about my body and I was just obsessed with bodies and mine was never good enough and yours surely wasn't good enough but if your stomach was smaller than like then you were better than me and that is really like where I got off on those thoughts and and I know that like it's a mental obsession because it didn't start out for me with the food at you know two or three or four or five. I didn't pick up the food compulsively until I was was about 13. So um, I just know that I have a mental obsession and I'm constantly obsessed. You know, it's like I'm I'm ruined by my thoughts and like the relief that I get here is that I don't have to live in my thoughts today. Um, So I think that that was really what um, was so paramount. I was just always really uncomfortable in my skin. I remember like, when my mom and my um, my best friend's mom, like, when we started getting boobs, they called them buds, which I thought was hor- horrifying. It's so embarrassing. I was like, don't talk about my butt, you know? <laughs> and um, and I had to wear a training bra, and I was so upset. You know, I was just pissed. And I just felt, like, mad at the world, that, like, my body was changing. Um, and then someone noticed, because I have the disease of, you know, for me, I really identify with, um, I want you to think I'm the best, but like, please stay away. Like, don't touch me. Um, and like, that's you know the disease of isolation and like wanting to be um, uh, kept back. So, but really wanting attention. So it's very dueling. So um, I think I, you know, I'm like I love this story. I tell it every time I share. Uh, when I was, I think I like five or six. I have two older sisters and a little brother, but he wasn't born at the time. Actually, he was, because he was born when I was four. Okay, so we had um, a really, uh, we had a, like, um, a mudslide in, in the back of our yard when we were, uh, when the rain would come in. And so my mom would always send me and my sisters out there to make, like, fake mud pies. And um, and my sisters would, like, stick little pipe hands, and um, and they wouldn't try to eat what looked like like a chocolate pie, but I always tried to eat the mud pie. And my mom would have to like rip dirt out of my mouth and like wash my mouth and it was like this big thing. And nobody else did that. And so even though I didn't, you know, remember picking up the food, it was like 
I was just obsessed, and it looked like Taco Sun gonna eat it. And there's all these little pictures of me, just like everyone's smiling, and like I'm literally in the food um, as a child. So, um, but I remember picking up the food, um, and I'll say this: that like I'm not a compulsive overeater because of anything that has happened to me. Like I lived, a, I had a really good childhood. I have a really good relationship with my family still today. So I know that like I'm just, I believe I was born a compulsive overeater. Um, but when I was sexually assaulted, like that is when I remember picking up the food. I made a conscious decision. I was sitting in the therapy class, and I picked up this honey bun, and I said to it, "You're going to solve all my problems." And I just kept eating. I didn't stop until I got to these rooms. Um, and like, oh, honey buns now. Like, really? Like, but that's what saved the day, you know, when I was 14. Um, honey bun. And we would just sit in these like stupid therapy. I mean, I love therapy today, but like back when I was 14, it was not cool. Um, but I got to leave school for one hour. I got to leave classes for one hour. And I didn't care about therapy, what we were talking about. I just got to eat compulsively in that. And I knew that, like, because literally they would take us out of class, they would finish in the cafeteria to get whatever we wanted on the school's money, and then we would go into therapy. And I just remember eating the entire time. And I packed on probably, like, 50 or 60 pounds my freshman year of high school. And my uh, one of my teachers pulled me aside, and, and she said, what is going on? You know, like, what happened to you? Um, and I just remember sitting her, sitting on the steps with her, just saying, "This is England." Um, I just thought, I don't know, you know, but I can't. I heard that I can't stop, but I knew that I couldn't stop. Um, and so I just felt really like it was just going to solve the day, like solve all my problems. And then when I was, let's see. When I was 15, my, my friends, I went to church, I grew up in church camp every summer. And, um, and when I, I was in away at 13 for two weeks. And it was fun and great. And then when I was 15, I went back to that summer. And, uh, and my friend called and she was like, I really want to lose weight for church camp. And I was like, great, me too. I'm a horrible dieter. I can't diet. I don't diet. I don't lose weight on them. Um, and she said, let's just stop eating. And I said, that's a brilliant idea. Let's just stop eating. Um, and I know that I'm a composer reader because every bad idea, I think, is a brilliant idea. Like, great. And I stopped eating for nine weeks, and she stopped eating for three days. And and I just really have self-will when it comes to um, manipulation and control. And I was lying to everyone. I was lying to my family. I was just a liar. Um, and when you're not eating, I mean, I would have like three or four like five mats, like raisins a week. Um, I was over-exercising. I was um, in tanning beds. My mom would like, we had a routine, like I was not driving yet, and so my mom would pick me up from work. And, um, oh, and like I just feel so horrible for the torture I put her through. Um, my mom would pick me up from work, and she, at lunchtime, and she would ask if I had eaten, and I said, yes, you know, why? And um, and then she would take me to the gym, and my sister taught me to saran wrap my waist, another horrible idea that I thought was brilliant. So I would saran wrap my waist and my arms and my body and, like, go exercise. Um, and I would sometimes pass out, like, on the treadmill, like, kind of, like, nod off. And then I would walk over, or my mom would drive me over to um, the tanning salon, and I would stand in those, like, tanning beds that you, like, hold your arms up. Um, and I would just pass out and black out and, like, come to by, like, hitting my head on the tanning bed. It's like, this is completely unmanageable. 
And they didn't know what was going on. And like I look back at that, like because I lie. Like I'm just really good at lying. Not today. I have a horrible conscience. Um, horrible guilty conscience today. But at the time, I was really good at lying. Um, and so that's what was going on. And and I was over. So I dropped about like I don't know 60 pounds, starving myself maybe. And uh, I got into a car accident because. You know, it's like if you're an alcoholic, like you drink and drive, but if you are a compulsive overeater, you get in car accidents because you're high on food or you're high because you haven't eaten. And I got into a car accident, and um, and that's where I kind of woke up. And uh, my, my parents brought me home, like everything was fine, um, and I just started screaming and crying and like begging for help and just saying, like, I haven't eaten in weeks, I don't know what to do with myself, I'm miserable, like I need help. Um, and so they started monitoring my food. Um, and so then I started eating again and gained some of the weight back. And and so that was, you know, high school. And then I started doing diet pills. You know, it's like the same story a lot of us have. <laughs> and, um, and getting off on diet pills. And then um, I moved to Chicago when I was 18. And I started, I felt free for the first time. My mom, my, my family, my dad, like nobody was, you know, on, on my back. I felt free. And free for me was just eating compulsively the entire time. I packed on another like 40 or 50 pounds in a few, uh, a few months. And, you know, looking back, like I really had a good time. Chicago was great. Like I was on my own. The economy hadn't hit. I had a lot of money in my dad's car. Like, I was just having a blast, um, not going to class. A lot of the times I wasn't going to class because I didn't think I was good enough. Like, I didn't like my outfit. I couldn't show up on time. You know, just complete unmanageability. Um, and then what happened is, you know, it was like a slow start into here. Because I got here when I was 21 and 27 today. So I've really grown up in these rooms, um, which I'm so grateful for. Like, even when I have crappy days, it's like I have grown up in the 12 steps. And that is, I see it today as a huge gift. Um, so why I'm sitting, I got rheumatoid arthritis when I was um, 18, and I um, it, it came on really, really sudden. And I think for me at the time, you know, I was really upset and I was horrible. But looking back, it's like it, it's been a nine-year um, journey, and. And I just realized, like, I didn't take care of anyone. I didn't take care of myself. I just always took care of other people. And so when I got RA, like, I really had to step it up for myself. Um, and it was just, so I got RA and I moved back home and I couldn't um, continue college because I was so sick. And I packed on more weight. My top weight is 222. Um, I didn't want to weigh after that. That was, like, enough for me. And um, and then I I moved to LA when I was I love how it's like my story and I'm trying to like figure this thing. I moved to LA in January of 2006, and um, because of the RA, um, I went on a really strict diet from my from my nutritionist, and I was really willing because I just couldn't move. Um, and I was in so much pain, and so I lost like 75 pounds in four months, and that was just this drastic amount of weight, and I was really angry, 
because I was getting a lot of attention and I didn't know how to handle it because I couldn't eat. I couldn't stuff my feelings. So I started drinking um, like Starbucks seven times a day, literally, and it was out of control. And um, and then my friend told me, so I lost the weight and then I packed it back on. And like a year and a half into that, she told me about OA. And, um, and I was like, you should totally go to that. Like your portions are crazy and I'm thin, so I'm good, you know? And what I've learned here is like, I'm not at my smallest size right now. I'm 20 pounds up from my smallest size, but I've never been more comfortable in my body as I am today. And when I came here, I was like, you know, uh, I just wanted to relieve the insanity in my head. Um, so six months later, after I passed on like another 20 pounds, my boyfriend kept um, catching me in like food binges. My, um, oh, there was this one time we were at, way at church camp and um, he, we were both on staff and he had come, he came back to the hotel room where we were staying and I had eaten all the donuts that he had just bought. And he just looked at me and he said, what happened? And I said, I don't, I ate them. Like, I didn't know what to say. Like, I couldn't lie. I couldn't be like, oh, rats, you know, or someone at the end. You know? So all these things just kept happening where I just had to keep saying, like, I ate it. You know? Like, I can't stop. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know what to say for myself. Um, and just felt like that look, you know? Um, if anything, to never get that look again is, like, enough to keep me here. You know? Like, oh, I've had it from so many people. And um, so, so six months later, here we go. Um, my friend told me about OA again, Overeaters Anonymous, and um, and this bomb went off. And I just thought, oh my gosh, I need that. That's what I have to go and do. So um, I came to the, I went to the Lowe's police meeting at 6 p.m. on Friday night, and because I lived on the in Hollywood for the first like uh, four months of my abstinence. And, um, actually I wasn't absent yet because it took me four months. So, I went to that meeting and there was somebody sitting in the corner who was bulimic and I sat next to somebody who, um, was like 535 pounds or something like that. Um, and I came in late, of course, because I didn't know how to be on time. I just didn't care, you know, I was just like, oh, whatever. And I, and they were reading the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and I heard the word alcohol and I like gasped in the meeting. And I was like, is this okay? You know? And he was like, yes, we're just reading the big book. And I was like, okay. And I just like grabbed my heart and I was like, ah, and he was like, you know, welcome. And I'll just never forget that look he gave me. And I, um, and that was Bernard, if anyone knows Bernard, and he is so dear to me. And I went to meetings for four months and I just binged. I just couldn't, I heard the message. People told me to keep coming back, and I was not going to let go of the food. I was not ready to stop eating compulsively. Um, I was binging all the time. My roommate started catching me um, in the middle of the night. She would wake up at like 2 or 3 in the morning, and I'd be on a food binge. Um, and she would call me and say, where are you? And I was like, I'm at CVS getting water. And she then I have to go get water from CVS when I'm at Arby's, you know. And, and I was pissed, you know. And I'd have to come in, like, hiding my food and walk in with water, you know, she's like, why do you need water at two in the morning? I'm like, don't bother me, you know, um, and, and gratefully, I got to make amends to her about a month ago, and that was a really powerful amends to look somebody in the eyes, and, because she knows the hell I put her through, and I always thought it was her fault, 
And this program gives me the ability to look at my part, and I have a huge part in ruining that relationship because I really did put um, us through like turmoil. Um, so I just kept going to meetings, and then I came to the log cabin meeting on Tuesday night. It was a big book study, and this guy asked me to carry the books one one week, and uh, he said, "Can you come back next week and and, and bring the books?" and slowly get 30 days. And I was like, okay, great. Um, you know, so like when I don't want to do something, like I remember service is what got me abstinent and service is what's going to keep me abstinent. Um, and I came back the following week and I, you know, had seven days. And then I came back, the, you know, the next week and had 14 days. And, you know, I just kept getting days. Um, and that's really what happened for me. And I didn't want to get a sponsor. I didn't, you know, I get really, you know, nowadays I tell my sponsees or I tell you know, anyone, it's like, you know, don't for someone who has what you want, just my opinion. Look for somebody who you can be rigorously honest with and will take you through the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous because that's what counts, you know. When I came here, my perception was completely off, you know, like I want someone thin and pretty and this and that and have the husband and the dogs and da da da, you know, and that's not what I got. Um, this woman came up to me and she she was quirky and funny and pretty and everyone loved her in the meeting and I was like, ugh, you know, and I just ran out of the meeting and she came up to me and she was like, I'll sponsor you and I was like, oh, thanks, you know, <laughs> and um, she was like, here's my number and I was so upset at her, you know, because she had everything I wanted but I didn't know how to achieve that because that's not who I was, you know, when I came in here. And, um, and she has since relapsed. A lot of my sponsors have relapsed, and that sucks, like going through that. Um, and so I'm really grateful to be here. It's like my feet are trained even when I don't want to show up for certain things. Now I know that this is, gives me the life that I have today. So um, she took me through the she took me through the steps of her like two years, and um, and it was amazing. And um, and then I, I parted ways. And so um, you know. What it's like today is is really different than, you know, six months ago or a year ago or two years ago. And I was thinking, like last night, I, I've been on a gratitude list for probably about four years, so shout out to the gratitude list when they listen to the podcast, hopefully. Um, I, I was writing uh, that all that is asked of me in these 12 steps is that I be of service. Like I literally get to keep the life I have today if I'm a servant. And that means asking my my colleague to switch shifts with me today at work so that I can leave here and then have brunch with Carol and then um, and then go to work, you know? And and when I got here, I was not employable. I was flunking out of college. I did not have a job. I didn't go to class. I was a wreck. A lion feeling, um, and today, like I have um, a job, and I have a good job that I've worked hard for, and I only have that job because I took sponsor direction, because she literally, like I've been in um, one field for like three and a half years, and it was just exhausting, and I couldn't keep up, and I couldn't handle it, and my body kind of finally said, like enough is enough, um, and so we were looking on Craigslist together, and. Um, and it was it would pay ten dollars an hour, and, and I said she's why do you, you apply to this job? It sounds great. And um, I was like I'm not gonna apply to a ten dollar an hour job. Like I got bills to pay and, and this to pay, and 
and, um, and I don't apply to anything that's like less than 15 or 17. And she goes, apply to this job. And I was like, okay, you know? And, um, and I applied, and I got the job. And y'all, at 27, I did not think I was going to be working for $10 an hour, okay? And I've never been happier, you know what I mean? And it's all my perception. And it's just for me, it's like being willing to say, like, hey, Dad, like, I paid all my bills, I paid this, I paid that, but I don't have enough money for food and gas. Can you spot me? And he's like, absolutely, you know? Um, because he sees how hard I'm working to to achieve, like, where I want to be. Um, but just for today, like, I can humbly sit here and say, like, that's where I am. And I'm grateful to be here. Um, you know, and, and I have my own personal business where I make money, but I am not financially supporting myself that right now on that. Um, but it's steady income, and so I'm just learning. It's like I feel like the longer I'm here, um, I learn to be like a worker among workers. And I learn, like for me, like one of my biggest character defects is jealousy, and I'm less than. Like I constantly compare myself. Um, and my sponsor reminds me all the time that I just, like, you don't get to compare yourself to other people, you know? And if you're jealous, you're jealous because you're unwilling to do the work to get what you want, you know? And she told me that a few weeks ago, and that's done. And I was, oh, it was like a few months ago, and I was like, okay, great. So then I started doing new actions to, like, get what I want, you know? Um, and, like, you know, I work the steps. So I'm on step nine, and I'm making amends. And I heard about the amends for a long time in the rooms, and I got to them. Some of them have been incredible, like just amazing. And um, I'll wrap up. And um, and some of them are like, it just feels like a checklist. Like, do I really have to do this? You know? And then my sponsor just reminds me, like, this is how we say Like, just keep doing it. And so last week I sent um, a friend in our friendship, I had borrowed like $3,000 from him over the course of time. Um, and I got to send him like a small deposit and, and a breakdown of how I'll pay you back and what I'm willing to pay you back and by the date. So like by the 15th of every month, I sent him $20 with a little note. Um, but I sent him this, this, this long note and explaining like, you know, and apologizing and saying like, I'm sorry that like I avoided you sometimes because I was unwilling to pay you back because I was scared. Um, and his response, and a lot of people's response have been like, wow, that is so great that you get the opportunity to do this. You know, like that's so courageous of you, and thank you. Um, and then I've had to send ex-boyfriends letters. I wanted to see them. I was not allowed to see them. Um, and I have to make living amends to some people. Um, so, you know, just keep doing this. Like, this is a really good deal, and this is a really good life. Um, and I'm really grateful that I was given the gift of abstinence and that I just get to keep doing it. And, you know, for me, it's like, like I said, like, my feet are trained. I show up when I, like, no matter what, even when I don't feel like it. Um, although I did want to come this morning, so I love you guys. Um, but lately, I've been, like, annoyed in OA, but I keep doing it, you know? Um, and, and that's good for me, so I just explore that feeling. So, does anyone have any questions? Hi, thank you. Um, you mentioned that your parents, your family, didn't have anything to do with being a compulsive leader. Did you just believe you were born that way? Did you come in thinking that? And if you didn't, did the fourth and fifth step kind of help turn that attitude? Okay, so the question is, um, 
I didn't believe that uh, my family had anything to do with me being a compulsive overeater, but did I think that when I first came in? And did you blame them? And did I blame them? Um, thanks for the question. I think that, I, I, yeah, I had a lot of blame on them, but I was really angry at them for trying to control my food more than thinking that they were the reason. Um, because they, because I was an overweight child, they were really concerned about me. Um, and I felt that they didn't have, of course, I felt like they didn't know how to parent. You know, I've never been a parent, so I like now have a lot of compassion for my parents. Um, and now today I see that they were really scared for their kids. Um, and yeah, in the fourth and fifth step, yeah, I get to look at my part, like this one incident with my mom when she thought that I stole she knew that I had taken Oreos from the home, which was my brother's, but I had, like, gone into the stash. And she was asking me all about it, and then, you know, I was like, I got them from school, I got them from school, I got them from school. And then after, like, 30 minutes, I was like, fine, take them back. And she was like, see, you were lying. You know, and it's like, as a parent, I think she just didn't want me to lie to her. Um, but, yeah, like, the fourth and fifth step, like, uncover, like, you know, my part. Um, but I really don't think that they were the reason I am a compulsive reader. Um, so yeah, thank you for the question. Um, thank you, Laura. What does self-care look like for you today? Okay, what does self-care look like for me today? I just have to laugh because my, one of my sponsors, like, hates that word. And so I, like, try sometimes, I'm like, but it's like it's self-care, you know. Um, self-care is definitely checking in with the sponsor first when something uh, like you know getting a, like a new job. Um, the first month, like probably the first like four to six weeks, because I have rheumatoid arthritis and a couple other health issues. Um, I went to work and came home and slept. That's it, and went to meetings. That's what I had energy for. Um, and so it's not overdoing it. Self-care for me is really taking care of my body and accepting that how I, to the degree that I have to take care of my body is different for other people. You know, last night at work, like, I was just about to just, I mean, I, I wanted to cry myself to sleep last night and cry leaving work because I'm so tired. Um, and that is a good indication that, like, this past week, you didn't get enough sleep. So for me, it's um, really taking care of my body because of the health issues, so that might be different for someone else. Um, and going to meetings, you know, like I have um, two committed meetings. I've had three, like my sponsor when I came here, she said three meetings minimum. But before I was in another fellowship as well, then I went to five OA meetings. But now that I do three in the other program, um, and three here, it's like you balance it. So for me, it's like taking care of my body, getting enough sleep, um, sending my food every night, um, exercising, and I think it's like the things that like normal people do, you know. And like, so sometimes like when I don't know what to do, like I like I look at my housemate because she's totally normal. I'm like, what's the Mallory do, you know? And sometimes I ask her like, hey, how does this portion look to you? And she's like. It's good, it's normal, cool, you know? Um, so I think it's a lot of it is just asking for help as well, because I just don't know what's best for me. Thank you. You mentioned your uh, 
the eating stuff. What does your food look like today? How do you define, you know, what is where your action is required versus what is just the will of the world? So, like your food, what does it look like today? Okay. And how is that? What does my food look like today is a question. It like look like sometimes most times I look at, down at my food and I'm like, are you for real? How is this possible? Like because I am what in when I'm in my disease when I was like I eat really gross things. Like I'm like a dirty eater. Like I like I am. You know I wake up with donuts in my face and I want like big disgusting meals. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh! I have, like that is the difference between me and some of my other compulsive eating friends. Um, like I would still love this like small McDonald's. They're like food, but I do. And um, today my food like it's really clean. Um, and so clean for me is I really listen to my body. Um, I'm also like just naturally very intuitive, and that has really helped me. Um, with my food, so I stopped eating meat a few months ago because, like, one day I literally was just like, I don't feel like eating meat today, and I was like, okay, not gonna, I'm not gonna question it. I just don't feel like eating it. And now when I eat meat, I get a stomach ache and I get acid reflux. Um, so I eat a lot of vegetables. I eat um, salad. I make like lots of veggies, like stir fry, um, and it's just a miracle. Like, so if, and if you're struggling with the food. Um, I'm happy to talk to you afterwards, um, but it is, you know, three meals a day is really what I aim for, and, you know, I don't skip meals. And I say aim for because sometimes my time management that I'm still working on, it's gotten, it's gotten a lot better, but sometimes, you know, I push a meal back because, you know, I'm unwilling to stop and eat lunch, you know, because I don't want to be in more traffic and I want to just get home quicker. So those are things that I turn over to my sponsor and I say, like, you know, I ate lunch at 3 o'clock today. That's an inappropriate time to eat lunch. Like, those are things I have to work on. I try to eat between, like, 12 and 2 um, and eat between appropriate times. So, thank you. Carol. It sounded like I did. So the question is, um, it sounded like I had anger before I came into OA, and do I have anger today, and if I do, how do I take care of that? Um, I love that question, and thank you, because anger for me is one of the most uncomfortable feelings. I hate it. It's not something I handle well, um, and I judge it tremendously. But um, the other day, um, I started a meeting back in April, and um, we got a lot of newcomers, and so we couldn't make rent for two weeks, and I had to close the meeting. Um, and I was pissed. I was so angry. And, and I felt bad, you know, but it's like, I have a right. I worked really hard. I tried. You know, my sponsor reminded me, like, you're human. You did your best. And you made a bunch of calls to other compulsive overeaters, and they reminded me, like, you're entitled to this feeling, but you just can't marinate in it. You know, like, that's what I don't get to do today. I do not get to marinate in my angry feelings. And I get to, like, immediately make a call. Because when I make that call, I get a new perspective of it. Um, and sometimes they'll tell me to do some writing about it. But usually my sponsor just kind of shuts me up. Um, and... 
or my fellows do, or like when I'm frustrated with something, like the best medicine for me is like a friend like laughing in my face over my problems, you know, um, to get me right size. So usually I just need someone to laugh in my face and be like, get over yourself. Uh, that is the best thing for me, because then, because I'm just like so off on my perspective, and I just constantly need like a new look, a relook at something. So thanks for the question, <laughs> Carol. Thank you, Laura. Can you talk a little bit about the spirituality and how on a daily basis you align your will with God's will? Oh yeah, like are you saying I do? Um, <laughs> my <laughs> how do, what's my spiritual life like, and do I align my will? How do I align my will with God? Okay, um, I'm doing a lot better repeating the question. I'm also dyslexic, so I'm really impressed with myself right now. Like this is this is always a struggle for me. So like, I'm like, what am I hearing? Um, so my favorite line in the entire big book, ready for it? <laughs> 83, um, as God's people we stand on our feet, we do not crawl before anyone. That to me is like the best line because that is what keeps me spiritual. I constantly want to compare myself to other people and that takes me away from God. And I constantly want to be jealous of what you have and I don't have. And then I get to like remember, like, that's just not good for you. So for me, I'm such a visual learner that if I literally remember that I do not bow before anyone, and it's just me and God, then I feel like I get to be right-sized. And also spiritually, um, I have gotten on my knees every night, no matter what, even when my mom's laying in bed with me or someone else, because my family always comes to visit, which is a great thing, um, I, I get on my knees and I say three things. And it's, I heard a great speaker say this, so I'm not going to try to steal it, um, claim it, I should say. Uh, Surprise me, God. Leave me where you need me. Thank you, Father. And then I say those three things every single night, like multiple times a night on my knees. Um, and I try to read, my sponsor encourages me to read pages 83 to 88 every day. Um, and, and I've recently started meditating because the other day I was just so disproportionate in my feelings. I was crying and exhausted and this and that. And she was like, just meditate in the morning. Just sit with God, you know? And that's her answer to things. It's not like, go do this or go do that. She's like, your feelings are valid, but just sit. You know, because when I do that, then I'm less disproportionate in my head. Um, and just constantly reading that line and reading pages. Um, and then like the little uh, voices of recovery and other things that I do. So, and I don't do it perfectly, I just do it. So, thanks for the question. Robin, did you, somebody raise your hand? Anyone else? Oh, yeah, in the back. How did you find abstinence? When you said you were coming for several months, and then how did you actually get abstinence? How did I get abstinence? I was at service. Somebody asked me to, it took me four months. I was binging, binging, binging. And I didn't have a sponsor. Oh, well, I kind of had one, but she was a school teacher, and I was a college student, and we had really different schedules, but we didn't really talk that much. Um, and I wasn't working the steps. First. I'm so sorry. Um, and sh so somebody asked me to pick up the books at a meeting and bring them back the following week. And for whatever reason, like, I just didn't, I just, 
I just knew I could do something different, you know, and I woke up on April 7th, and there was a, um, that's my abstinence date, uh, April 7th, 2008. I woke up out of bed after a binge uh, that, that next morning, probably so high on food, of course, and there was a big marker board on my back door, and I just woke up and I just said, enough. Like, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. And I grabbed a Sharpie and I circled April 7th and I was like, I'm done. Um, and so I stopped binging. I stopped doing certain behaviors. I stopped eating all day long. Um, it was because I kept coming back. I, I think I got abstinent because it was, you know, it's a gift that's given to me and because I was willing to do the work. And then I got a sponsor. So I don't know how it works. It just... I hit bottom and I was done. So thank you for the question. Robin. Oh, thanks for sharing. So someone might be in the room or anybody who feels they maybe it says they recover, they have the capacity to be on the study. Is that referring to sociopathy? What is the capacity to be on the study? a good question. What am I talking about when they Maybe you don't have the capacity to be honest. Is that correct? Many of them do recover. Many of them do recover. They have the capacity to be honest. I don't know. I definitely have a sponsee right now who I adore. Um, but she lies, you know. And I think that she can't get abstinent and stop doing her behaviors because she's unwilling to be honest. And I don't know why, but she she just can't get it. You know, so I was like, I hope you know this isn't what sponsorship is. You know, and I told her, I was like, I don't sponsor a food plan. I sponsor through the 12 steps. So when you want to work the 12 steps, call me. But I, I can't, you know, if you're, if you're going to lie to me, there's no relationship. So I'm just grateful I'm able to be honest. I don't, I don't know. Thank you. Thanks so much for sharing straight from you today. It sounds like from your share you've had a relationship with God prior to programming, or at least during camp periods. But recovery. Yeah, so I sounds like I, I came in with the God and has it changed over time. Yeah, like I definitely grew up with the Christian God and went to church and went to church camp and all that. Um, I just didn't think that God cared about my food and my body. And I thought that uh, and I felt selfish for asking him for help in that area. So I just wouldn't. Um, and, yeah, today it's so different. It's like, I, I don't know what God is. Like, it's just this really great feeling I have. And I know, like, someone's got my back. And someone's always in my corner. And humans, like, I heard the other day, which is so true, it's what my sponsor told me when I came in. Like, humans will always fail you. But God won't. Like, it's just that simple. Um, and I also don't think that God is one thing. Like, I came in very naive, like, it's God in the sky. But God, for some people, might not be even that word. It could be higher power, a creator, or ocean, or I've heard dog before. You know, I don't care what it is. Um, but it has changed, and it's not so limited anymore. And it's just, um... It's, it's, for me, it's like a feeling. But I do still believe in that thought that I grew up with and respect him. And sometimes it's the same thing. Sometimes it's just a feeling. Thanks for the question. Any other questions? 
Okay, queen. Oh, that's nice to see. Okay, thank you for letting me share.